a lot of times our view on child discipline is shaped um, and colored by how we were raised, by our, our experiences, methods of what we believe to be effective or non-effective punishment, <laughs> how to handle a child who is unruly, how to, how to teach good character, how to, how to reinforce rules in the home, all those things many times are shaped by how we were raised, how our parents disciplined us. And can I say, I'm going to say some things tonight, and I'll go ahead. I don't know how you were raised. I don't know the methods that were used in your home as you were being reared and trained. I don't know. I know the methods that were used in my home I'm going to say some things tonight, and listen, please know my heart. If you know me, I think you understand that by nothing I'm going to say uh, is in in no way intended to be disrespectful to how I was raised. But there are some methods, there were some methods that were used um, by my mom, by others in my family that I saw, that... I'm going to tell you, um, I don't think it's, these are methods that are spelled out or condoned or approved of in Scripture by way of how to discipline a child. Now, when we get to that in just a moment, you're going to say, I can't believe preachers being disrespectful to his mama. No, not at all. It's not a greater lady except my wife, in my mind, who loved the Lord and loved her family and loved her church any more than my mom. And she would not, for any reason, way, shape, or form, have intentionally done anything to, that was out of the way. I'm sure she, she used methods of discipline on us that were used on her as a child. And to a large degree, we all take that approach, whether good, bad, ugly, right, or wrong. We do. Does the Bible address this subject of child discipline? Sure it does. More specifically, because this is a study on the book of Proverbs, does the book of Proverbs address child discipline? Yes, it does. If a parent ever tells you that they've never struggled with the issue of child discipline, they will lie to you about other things. Today is June the 7th. It's Andrew's 21st birthday. And in light, in keeping with the subject tonight, he's going to get 21 licks when he gets home. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. And so I remember... um, Obviously, I remember 21 years ago today. I remember holding him in my arms for the first time. I was having trouble seeing him because of all the tears that were running down my face. And I was, I think I was, he was crying. Aaron, I I can't remember, honey, if you were crying or just saying, glory to God, that's over. But anyway, you were relieved. But I was squalling. I was absolutely, I mean, it was one of those, 
I mean, dude, I had lost it. I wasn't prepared for that now. I'm telling you right now, I wasn't prepared for that. But it got a hold of me. I'm telling you, I was, I was a puddle holding him in my arms. And I thought about this. Honestly, this is, this, this is what went through my mind, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, first of all, Mr. Mr. Naive, <laughs> right? I, I was one of those parents. Well, I was one of those people who wasn't a parent yet that when somebody else's child was doing something they shouldn't be doing or causing havoc or trouble or anything like that, I was that dude that said, some of y'all know what I'm about to say, I'll tell you one thing, by the way, whenever a redneck starts a statement with, I'll tell you one thing, (laughs) you better be careful. I said, I'll tell you one thing, our youngins, which we didn't have any at the time when I would make these statements, our youngins aren't ever going to act like that. Well, guess what, dear brother and sister? My wife, who was filled with wisdom, said, honey, stop saying that. <laughs> said, our kids, every time you say that, it's go- like, it's going to happen, right? And I promise you, everything I ever said that our kids would not do, right? They've either tried it or done it successfully. But I remember holding him in my arms, and honestly, I was thinking, hey, man, we've waited so long, we never thought we'd be able to have children, this is great. We're, we're, we're going to be such great parents. <laughs> and this little munchkin in my arms is going to be such a good child. He's going to love us so much. He is never going to disobey. Well, and I have right here in my notes, LOL. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Remember, there has ever been only one perfect parent throughout all eternity, and that's God. And his first two kids, as perfect as he was, still rebelled against him. And you can do the best you can. And we all remember that our children are still autonomous creatures, that have a freedom of will on their own that the Lord has given them. And sometimes in spite of your best efforts as a parent, they will still make their own choices that are harmful and self-destructive. And you pray with them through it, and you pray them through it, and you, you still parent them through it. You don't change what the Bible says, but you, you, you stand on what's right and on what's truth, and, and you navigate through those waters. There is no perfect parent. There are no perfect children. That's why what the Bible says here in Proverbs, in these verses, is very, very critical. And you know this. Everybody, everybody has their own opinions about everything now, but especially children, child discipline, parenting. If you cut the talk shows on 
whether it's The View, which I do not watch, and I don't advocate you watching it, or any other talk show, whether it's The View or Dr. Phil, which I don't think he's on anymore, maybe reruns, or whatever it is, whatever parenting magazine you may read, whatever periodical, whatever book or resource or online resource or podcast you listen to as it relates to parenting, everybody has their own opinions. Tonight, I promise you, just as every time I preach, dear one, I try hard not to give you opinions. How many times have we heard, you can take my opinion and put 99 cents with it and get a cup of coffee at McDonald's after church? Because that's about how much my opinion is worth. But I want you to know that this book that I hold in my hand, the truth of the Bible, trumps anybody's opinion. So if you have to choose one or the other, you chunk so-and-so's opinion, whether it's mine or anybody else's, and you always, 100% of the time, go with what thus said the Lord. Every time. So what did he say about child discipline? What does he say here in Proverbs about this subject? Well, I'm glad you asked. Would you look in chapter 3, verse 11... The Lord says, through Solomon, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Circle that word chastening if you're in the habit of circling or underlining words in your Bible or highlighting them on in your tablet or phone or whatever. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. The word chastening there literally means the warning, the correction, the discipline. It's, it's, it's not just verbal instruction, but it can refer to verbal instruction. Don't despise the verbal instruction, the written instruction, the tangible discipline, correction, the warnings of the Lord. Now, neither be weary of his, there's that word again, correction. This word is a different word in the Hebrew than chastening, but it's a very similar meaning. It means Instruction. We read the word chastening and we automatically think of it in the punitive sense. Or in the, in the corrective sense. Like the child misbehaved, the child did wrong and so I've got to correct them, I've got to straighten them out, I've got to punish them even. Well, that's, that's a very limited idea of chastening and there's so much more to the idea. It doesn't just mean to to punish or to to straighten out. It means literally to instruct. By the way, there has to be the instructing long before there can be the punishing. And sometimes I'm afraid that as parents, we focus so much on the corrective side, on the the punitive side that we neglect sometimes. Man, I'm talking to myself too. Sometimes it's easy to neglect the instructive side of the chastening, the correction, the instruction. And there has to be a balance. And Solomon says to his son, listen, when the Lord does this, when the Lord 
chastens and corrects and instructs and warns verbally. Don't despise that. And sometimes, and yes, the Lord does spank. Don't despise that. Don't turn away. Don't become hard-hearted when that happens. And he goes on. Verse 12 is very critical. And verse 12 takes it from just the correction of God and it applies it to parents and children. It sets the tone throughout the book of Proverbs for what proper child discipline is all about. Because he says in verse 12, how many of you still with me? Say amen, right? He says, now, whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Everybody that the Lord loves, he's going to correct them. He makes a, a spiritual statement about our heavenly father, and then he connects it directly with earthly fathers. And he says, our perfect heavenly father in heaven, this is how he corrects. He does it in the same way. And I love how all wise the Lord is and how he inspired the Holy Spirit, inspired Solomon to put it this way. He makes it where we can understand it. How many of you are glad God takes the jelly jar, puts it down on the bottom shelf where we can get a hold of it? He says, just as the heavenly father corrects and instructs with love, he's motivated by love, not by harshness, not by anger, not by angst, not by hostility. He's motivated by love. And watch this. He says, in that same vein, in that same way, even as an earthly father, now the word earthly is not in there, but it's obviously implied. Just as an earthly father does to the child that he loves dearly. To the child in whom he delighteth. That's what it means. The child that he absolutely delights in. The child that he loves tremendously. That earthly father, that earthly mother is going to chasten and correct the child that they love. So I wrote this down. Our heavenly father corrects and disciplines us in love just as an earthly father does to the child he, he, that he loves dearly. We see the correlation there. And it's not just showing us a picture of the heavenly father and how he corrects and chastens us. This is a principle and an encouragement and literally an injunction for you and I as moms and dads that this is how we're to correct our kids. It's to be motivated by love. Now, somebody may misinterpret this verse and say, well, is that teaching that we're supposed to be perfect parents? Oh, no, dear one, we've already stated. There's been only one perfect parent, and we're not him. <laughs> but we, our parenting is to model his his heart for his kids. And God says, just as I correct and chasten my kids whom I love, so parents, moms and dads, that's your job. In fact, he goes on to say, you really don't love your children if you don't chasten them. 
You see, proper discipline is a sign of genuine parental love. So let's talk about that from Proverbs. Chapter 6, verse 20, my son, keep thy father's commandment. Forsake not the law of thy mother. You see instruction there. You see rules. You see guidelines established in the home. You see standards. Listen to what we're telling you, child. Uh, uh, 13 verse 1, a wise son heareth his father's, there it is again, instruction. But a scorner hears not rebuke. 13, 18, poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. And if a kid just goes through life and he's, he's unruly, he's undisciplined, he's a rebel, and he just rejects instruction, God says that that, that that person more times than not, and remember a proverb is a truism. It's something that is basically true about life. It's an understood principle that that person, if they reject and throw off restraints, they're going to wind up in poverty and in shame. But he that regardeth reproof, he that listens, and he that gives their ear to instruction shall be honored, verse 18. Chapter 13, verse 24, he that spareth his rod, and we'll talk about what the rod is in just a little bit. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth or corrects or instructs. Literally, it means to restrain. He chastens him. He corrects him. He restrains him betimes. That's an old English word that just means early. Early on in that child's existence, early on in that child's life, a wise parent who's dedicated to proper child discipline early on in that child's development, they're going to provide that structure and that correction. Chapter 19, verse 18, chasten thy son while there is hope. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand how many times your children began to cry and throw an absolute teetotal meltdown fit even before you began administering punishment to them, right? And you're like, man, I hadn't done anything, bro. And almost you're like, man, they're, they're having such a meltdown right now. I wonder if I should even go forward with it. He says right here, don't let that dissuade you from doing as a parent what you ought to do. You go ahead and administer appropriate, appropriate correction and punishment. 22.15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it far from him. 23.13 and 14, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou, now, don't have a hissy. But here's what it says, if you beat him with the rod. Now, please, everyone look right here. Listen very carefully. I say this absolutely. The word beat there has nothing to do with abuse. He is not talking about oppressive force. Anyone who reads this verse and misconstrues it and misinterprets it to justify any kind of abuse is doing a gross injustice to the scripture. 
The word beat here doesn't, doesn't mean what in our 2023 concept of beating, that is not what it means. It does mean to strike. And in corporal punishment, there is an appropriate force and striking in the appropriate area that is necessary when you implement the method of corporal punishment. Done correctly and appropriately, never out of bounds, never hasty, never in anger. We'll talk about that in just a second. 29.15, the rod and reproof, not just the instrument of correction, but verbal instruction. There it is. There's a balance there. It's two sides of the same coin. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but here it is. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And here's what we would say. A child, here it is, left and turned on auto parent. And we've all seen it. A child left to himself. I I can't think of a better way for that to to be said. A child without the direction. A child who is left to make his own decisions prematurely. A child who is reared without the structure, without the loving boundaries and discipline. Chapter 29, verse 17, correct thy son, And he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. So let me give you these three areas, and then we'll pray. Area number one, we talk about the purpose behind child discipline. What's the motive? What's the the end goal for child discipline in the home? What are we trying to accomplish? Is it a dominance? No. Is it a mastery over the child? No. Is it to suppress the child? No. Is it to show that young and who's boss? No. That's not the goal. That's not the end goal in child discipline. Discipline means positively influencing the behavior in the child. That's what the end goal and the end result is. It is that that child's behavior is positively influenced. Discipline, one writer said, allows children to develop self-control. Don't miss that. Proper child discipline is teaching that child to develop their own self-governance where they can get to a point where they don't have to be restrained one day. They have self-restraint, self-control. They don't have to one day when they're mature enough. They don't have to have mom, dad, lording over them, standing over them, micromanaging them. No, because they have the maturity, they have the self-understanding and the self-control to appropriately under the Lord manage themselves. But as you know, gang, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen instantaneously. There has to be a process. But that's the goal. 
for that child, your child, my child, to be able to properly govern themselves under the lordship of Jesus Christ. They will learn to do that as they follow and live and operate under the headship in the home. Under that proper authority. And y'all know this is true. If a child never ever learns how to sweetly submit to the visible authority of the parent, they will never learn to sweetly submit to the invisible divine authority of God. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, this is so crucial. Because now we're not talking about necessarily just their earthly behavior. But if any child, any life never learns to come under the authority of the lordship of Jesus, they're not saved. That's why this is so important. They learn proper submission to authority early, early, and now so that one day when it is in their power to make their own decisions, they choose for themselves, not because it's an institutional policy, not because of this or that, but they will choose for themselves to, under Christ, under the Bible, under his lordship, they will choose to come up under that authority themselves. Not out of force. Not out of exterior pressure. But because there's an inward motivation, hear me, that they learned when they were that big. And they kept learning as they got older. Discipline allows children to develop self-control and helps them become emotionally, socially mature, secure adults. Effective discipline is that which is self-enhancing for the child. So the goal of all parental discipline is so that the child will learn how to appropriately govern and discipline themselves throughout the various situations of life. It is not mere behavior modification. Gang, if that's all that we're wanting to do in our parenting, in our parenting philosophy, is just modify their behavior, we have missed the point. Somebody can modify their behavior outwardly and die and go straight into a Christless eternity. It is not about behavior modification. Thomas Scott said the Perverseness of our fallen nature makes correction necessary. Everyone has to be corrected. Why? Because we're depraved beings. And as awesome and sweet and innocent as my man was 21 years ago today, guess what? He was just like his daddy and his granddaddy, and his great-granddaddy, and his great-great-granddaddy. What does that mean? That means that he came into this world a sinner by birth, a sinner by nature, and the day came when one day he became a sinner by choice. Just like your youngins and your grand-youngins. 
Listen to what one writer said about the importance of child discipline and how, listen, this is important, how it develops a sense of empathy in the child. Study sometime for yourself the need and the importance of empathy as a child develops. And how if that, if that child, if that student never learns to be empathetic to another person, that even, according to reports that I've read and articles and things trying to, that, that, that is a, the training ground for a sociopath. Somebody who never learns to empathize with another human being. That's why, if I can say this, that's why legitimate true bullying is serious. And it needs to be addressed and corrected. That's why a child that is so, so grossly selfish that they, they, never, they never stop to consider how their actions have hurt someone else. That's why it's so important to address that kind of behavior, ladies and gentlemen. They said about this need for empathy, our homes are the place where empathy can be fostered. Empathy is a big component, here it is, in conscious development. And the development of that child's conscience, it is the key that makes us consider how our actions impact those around us. Skills and empathy and emotional intelligence not only help us in our careers, but more importantly, they help us in our purpose to love God and love others that Jesus has charged us to love, end of quote. You see, the purpose of effective discipline is to help children organize themselves, ultimately. Internalize rules for themselves and acquire appropriate behavioral patterns that they can set for themselves for the rest of their lives. J. Richard Fugate, in his book on what the Bible says about child discipline, and by the way, I, I recommend that book to you, and we're going to um, tell you about it at the end. He said this, before a child will receive the instructions of his parents, he must first respect their word. Think about that. Before a child will ever receive his parents' instruction, he has to have a sense where he respects their word and what they're saying. And then he goes on. And before that child will respect their word, he must first recognize and become obedient to their position and their authority in that child's life. You see, gang, discipline is an exercise of love. What we've read tonight in Proverbs 3 and in the other passages that we alluded to, God says, parents, hear me carefully. Yes, it is the toughest thing you will ever do. <laughs> Y'all remember that old commercial back in the late 70s? Because I'm a 70s child. About the Peace Corps. How many remember this? The Peace Corps commercial. And they'd say, the Peace Corps the toughest job you'll ever love. 
Anybody remember that besides this old goofy person right here? Okay. Can I tell you something? <laughs> that job doesn't reply to the Peace Corps. You can say that about parenting. It's a tough job. And it's not for sissies. And you better put your big boy pants on. And we better develop some backbone. But with a soft heart. And you got to know why you believe what you believe and why you live by what you live by. And it takes discernment because how many of you know each of your youngins is different from the other? And yes, you parent according to set rules and standards, but sometimes it comes down to how God has wired your youngin. And you've got to figure out before the Lord what makes your child tick. And one child may speak this language and the other child doesn't speak that language. And you understand what I'm saying. And you've got to figure out how can I, here it is, and I'm going to close. I didn't even get to point number two. you've got to figure out before the Lord how can I shepherd the heart of my child how can I connect with him or her in the way that they need me to that's the struggle and thank God he gives grace and he gives wisdom and he gives discernment on how to do that. It's an exercise of love. Discipline is a vital piece of our emotional social development. And when used with the proper intention, discipline helps children prosper in life. Effective discipline is a result of a healthy home environment where children feel safe and share mutual respect. And I'll say this before we pray. Effective discipline, parents. Man, I hope folks go back and watch this who aren't here tonight. Effective discipline starts with us as the parents being healthy ourselves and having a healthy understanding of what biblical child discipline is. If you had a rough childhood with questionable punishment, you hold the power to change the environment for your children. You don't have to keep duplicating and perpetuating unwholesome forms of discipline in your house. Can I get a witness right there? You are in charge of your home, and you can have it different for you and your children.